Okay. Hi, everybody. How you doing? Um, today we're talking with one of the members of the Long Island Sun Chaser. This is Fred Lynn. He um, has been coming up with some really great Lincoln. 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 Sorry. Lincoln. Lincoln. Not Lincoln. Lincoln. Pronounce sorry. Pronounce sorry. the G. <laughs> um, okay. He's been producing and, and pulling out some really great night photography images these last uh, week or two. So we figured we'd get him on and we'll talk about uh, his uh, escapades throughout Long Island and where he's going and what he's doing. So, Fred, how you doing? Excellent. I'm doing good, no Sue. Problem. Thank you for having me on. So let's start out with how long have you been, been a photographer, been photographing? Um, it's probably going on about really? six years what now. Got, what got you started? Yeah. Um, what ended up happening was, as I was going through oh. a divorce at the time and, um, we were unfortunately oh. still living together and gotcha. I needed to get out of the house. So we didn't see each other. And, um, it was around the Christmas time and I was just, um, browsing through, you know, looking for Christmas gifts for the family and whatnot. And I happened to get mm -hmm. on Costco um, and Costco, um, I was browsing through Costco and they actually had a, um, a kit, mm -hmm. a Nikon kit that was for sale. Um, I had always been interested in photography, you know, I had nothing more than, mm -hmm. than the point and shoots. Um, and I figured, you know, what the heck I, I treat myself to a Christmas present. Um, it'll work out well for me. It'll get me out of the house. Um, so I did. I bought this this Nikon D3300 kit from Costco. Uh, like I said, I treated myself to a Christmas present. I got it. Um, you know, I, I went through the yeah. manual. I'm not one for manuals. I mean, I, I, I put the lenses on it and I just started clicking the button. Did you get the black screen happen. and go, uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> I got the black screen. I got... Um, I, I, I did what everybody else does when they, when they buy a camera, they, mm -hmm. they shoot on auto and I just went out in the backyard and I just started shooting things, you know, in, in the snow and shooting what birds were there and, and, and the snow and the trees and the, whatever flowers right. were blooming yeah. at the time. So, um, yeah. And it just, it just progressed from there. It was, I shot with the 3300 for maybe two or three years and, um, felt I needed something a little bit better and, you know, asked for recommendations from people. Um, and then I moved up to the, the D7200, mm -hmm. which is what I'm still using. Um, absolutely love the camera. And, um, you know, I spent my money on lenses and, and all the other stuff. So that's, that's basically what, what I progressed into. Um, I was predominantly mm -hmm. into landscapes, uh, sunrise and sunset. Um, yeah. as you know, with the sun chases and stuff, <laughs> Lighthouse Tuesday and yep. meeting down at Smith's Point uh, Beach uh, every Sunday or whenever Doug yep. called for a meeting or something like that. Um, and uh, that's just basically how it progressed. And um, after shooting, you know, I still, I was out for sunrise this morning. I, I love my sunrises. I'm not really into sunsets. I do go out. If uh -huh. it looks like it's going to be nice color. Um, but sunrise is my mm -hmm. thing. I'm an early bird. I'm an early riser. I get up. I'm usually up, oh, you know, God. two, three o'clock in the morning and I'll just, yeah. And just, and just kind of decide whether I'm going out for a sunrise. 
And like I did this morning, I went up and I went out to, to Bellport Marina and uh, just hung out to see what kind of color I was getting and stuff like that. And it turned out to be a fantastic. Summer. I used to do that. So I used to, but that was also part of it was because of my job had me up and out early in the morning. So you just got on that sleep mm-hmm. kind of pattern, you know, but I'm, yes. I like my sleep. <laughs> so. And I sleep too. I don't, I mean, there are days where yeah. I've missed some beauty of a sunrise and cause just because I was comfortable in bed and, I didn't feel right. like getting up, so I didn't no, get I know. up. And it's funny, your your story about um, Costco, I had the same exact story. Same exact thing. Found it in Costco. Always had a slight interest. Wanted to do a little bit more. Costco had a really good sale. Got the Nikon 3300, and off I went. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, it yeah. did well for me it's for a, a few years. It's a great years, little starter um, camera. It definitely is. You know? It, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you can't get it anymore. You'd have to buy the right. kit for the 3500 but it was a great right. little camera. It did what it had to do. You know, it didn't come with the best lenses. Right. They came, it came with kit lenses. and yeah. But it did what it had to do. You, you were able exactly. to learn from it. Um, if you And eventually, if you smartened up and you switched the dial <laughs> from A to M, yeah. you learned even yeah. more. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, so, and, yeah. you know, I don't, you know, I love it. Because I'm one of these type of people where I always need to be doing something. I, I like to learn things and I've been the crafter. I've done yes. everything. But for whatever it is with photography, I haven't gotten bored with it. There's just constantly, constantly changing and constantly yes. something new to learn. So Absolutely. it's it's really been one of these things for me that's become almost an obsession. I mean, I, I, I love it. I've changed from what I do from one thing to another, yes. but um, it's just the whole photography itself. That is one of the, the best things that I found uh, with mm-hmm. photography as a hobby. And in my mm-hmm. case, you know, sort of a business. Right. I've sold some prints. So um, there's always something you can do with it, you know, whether you're shooting landscapes you're shooting sunrise and sunset there's macro photography there's uh, mm-hmm. portrait photography there's pet photography there's there's so much right. you can do with, with a camera it's just and you got that you just got to get into it right. you got to try different things i mean you, you got a camera the best thing you can do is is get onto the facebook uh, pages and you know join the sun chases or join you know along the photographer or whatever and get on there and, and what's great about these Facebook pages is you get on there and, and if you have an issue and you have a problem, you ask a question. I mean, 99.9% of the time people have not exactly. have a problem to help you out. Um, I mean, that was one of the great things. One of the first things that I did when I, when I got my camera mm-hmm. is I joined the sun chasers and I met a bunch of people and, you know, uh, Jan Shannon yep. and Samantha Kennedy and Doug, Doug helped me out a lot with, with, with questions and, and, and when I was shooting yep. and what I was doing wrong. And, you know, we used to go out as a group and go out and, and shoot. And if I had issues, somebody was always there to answer it. So that, that's the great thing about right. the, the Facebook pages. Is that there's and always that's somebody what's there great that too, because you, every now and then you get, you know, somebody comes in and says, you know, I need this, or do you think I should go to school for it? 90% of us never saw the inside of a classroom. We're all self-taught. True. You know. Well, on, on that note, I did take a did course you? at Suffolk Community College. 
Yes, I would highly recommend it. It was a basic okay. photography course. Um, I used to go, I, I believe it was two nights a week. It was uh, at the Suffolk Community College over in... Um, Brentwood or Seaford? Uh, Selden. Gotcha. The Ammerman campus. Selden. Okay. Over in Selden. Um, and it was after work. I think it started at six or seven o'clock at night. It went for two hours. And the the guy that, that taught the class uh, was into equine really? photography. He shot horses. Um, and that's how he made his living. He would go to these, shoot people's horses and go to these shows and, and shoot and sell the photography and stuff like that. Um, so it was great. It was six, it was six weeks of classes. Um, he went over from soup to nuts, the basic, you know, different things about the camera, your settings and whatnot. You know, he went over uh, depth of field, uh, uh, the rule of thirds and, and all the rest of that stuff. And, you know, he had us go out, we had homework. We went out and we had to shoot things. Like when we had, when one class was about depth of field, we had to go right. out and practice depth of field. Um, when we had to go out and shoot, you know, rule of thirds, we had to go out and shoot photographs and then we oh. had to have them printed. So we would, I would take them over to CVS and have them printed. And the next week we would go into class and we spend the first hour going over okay. the, the photographs and, you know, he would post them up on a board and the, I mean, the, really? the class was packed. I mean, there must have been, yeah, 25, 30 people in the class and we would all post our pictures up and he would walk around, you know, <laughs> like he was inspecting, uh, you know, works of art or something like that. And, you know, he would sit there and say, OK, I like this photograph. You did a good job here. This photograph sucks. You didn't you didn't do what you're supposed to do here. Blah, blah, blah. And that's how he okay. learned. I mean, it was. It, I, I'm looking at it as he was the experienced one. So, and it turned out, yeah, everything that he said was true. I mean, if you followed his rules, you, okay. you took uh, the Well, that's what I was going to say. Do you think that by being in that classroom setting like that, that you actually learn things that somebody else, you know, just the little things like, you know, how to do this or how to do that were things that you probably don't think you would have learned if you would have tried to do it on your own? Um, no, I'm, I'm sure eventually somewhere along the line in, in, in one of the get togethers or, or on one of the Facebook pages, I'm sure okay. it would have come up something. I mean, going out and, and when you're meeting mm -hmm. in a group to shoot, you know, Milky Way or, or star trails or whatever, or sunrise or sunset, you just, you sit there waiting for the sunrise or the sun to set and you ask questions and, and whatnot. I personally found it helpful for, you know, the rule of thirds and 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 the, um, the exposure depth triangle. of field and stuff like that. It, he explained uh, yeah. it in a way that made yes. it easier for you to understand because I still can't explain it. The only thing that I find unexplainable with the triangle okay. is is ISO. It's it's easy to explain right. aperture to somebody it's easy to explain shutter speed to somebody but to get to still explain iso to me it's confusing because what you do with iso you can do with a, with the shutter speed and you can do with right. with the aperture so to, to try to get people to understand exactly what iso come how mm -hmm. where that comes into play is the confusing thing and 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 basically simply it's 
I raise my ISO right. when I'm shooting at night. When, That's really the only time that I right. that I it's raise my dark ISO. situations, right? Other than that, yes, I can I can I can take care of lighting with shutter speed, and I can take care of lighting okay. with aperture. Um, once the sun goes down and and it's pitch black out, and you're sitting at uh, mm-hmm. you know field two at Robert Moses, and you can't see your hand in front of your face if you're in a section that's pitch black when you're shooting the Milky Way or the or the star trails. That's where your ISO comes into play. And really, that's the really? only time I even hmm. use it. Well, no, that's not true. If Usually, if, if I'm doing some birding or I'm shooting okay. something that's moving and I'm, I'm knocking my shutter speed up to, uh, you know, 1600 or 2000 and I'm, and I'm opening my aperture more, uh, to gather more light, I will then raise my ISO. I, I mean, I, I, that's another another time to use the ISO. I'm, I'll beat my ISO will be up by a thousand and or, or, or what do you said you're shooting with right now? How a seventy-two hundred? How is D7200. the um? God, what is the word I'm looking for? With your i with your um ISO up that high, how is the the what is the word I'm looking for? The grain in the image. The grain, it's it's a, it's what it is with any camera. I mean, the grain is okay. it's up there, but I'm not worried about the noise in, in the photo, only because um, I'm I'm looking to get a shot the way I want it. I mean, there's there's no if I'm going out and I'm shooting right bir- if I'm not birding, and you know mm-hmm. I'm shooting birds in flight. You know, if there's a, an ibis that's flying by and, and I want to get a good picture of an ibis or an eagle or whatever's flying around, uh, you're not going to do it with, unless you're uh, shooting continuous and you're shooting a high shutter speed. You're not going to stop the action. Good example, when Jones Beach was right. having the, the air shows, you got a jet that's going by at, you know, Mach 1, uh, breaking the sound barrier. I mean, that, that plane's cooking. You're not you're not getting a good shot of that plane if you're shooting, if you're not shooting continuous and you're not shooting at a, uh, a shutter speed that's like 1,600 or 2,000. Then you have to. If you want to get a good picture of that plane, that's where you got to be. And that's right, where now, everything else comes into play. Let me ask you a play. question about that because there was an article that came out and I did do a little uh, podcast about the article. And it was in regards to... Um, going from manual to aperture priority would you consider that because like i said i i know a photographer um he's well known he's a big guy in the wedding industry big sweeping landscapes blah 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 and he uses aperture priority which shocked me um but he says he does it for the speed because when you're at a wedding you know, you don't want to be messing around with this stuff when you've got a bride sitting there going, you know, I need to go here and I need to do this. So yes. would you consider at like the air show trying with your with your aperture priority to see what would happen? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, it's, it's mm-hmm. photography, you try anything. Um, but that's a totally different situation. You're you have a photographer who's getting paid by, you know, the right. bride and groom to take photographs. It's and the bride and groom are not standing around waiting to be right. photographed. You have to, in that situation, you have to right. shoot what they're doing. So, I mean, aperture priority priority in that that instance probably works great for them. 
end. It's what he has to do to to get his shots. Me, I'm standing on a beach in the water on the shoreline uh, with my with my 150 to 600, waiting for a plane to come by. Quite honestly, I'll take a couple of shots. I'll look at I'll look at the screen if I like the shots. Okay. I never change my settings. So I mean, it's um, I'm getting okay. the stop action that I want. Um, I'm getting great photographs of of the jets as they're flying by, and I'm happy okay. with the way it worked out. And I know later on I'm going to be loading, you know, all those photographs into um, into Lightroom, where right. I can take out the noise and I can I can right. I, I can modify photograph a bit um not too mm-hmm. not too much modification um but i know okay. i'm going to be yeah, doing that some was adjusting something on that it, so. i was curious about what people thought about that and like i said it was an article and i'll have a part like a 10 20 minute podcast about that um that came out just recently and i thought it was an interesting topic just mm-hmm. like and i think it was you who posted up one um an article from someplace about uh using the uv um uh, screw on lens protectors and the, and, and are they necessary? Are they not necessary? You know, it's, and I remember seeing that because I just recently this week went out and bought the 150 to 600 myself. And the guy in the uh-huh. store was like, you know, you have to have something on the front. I'm like, yeah, well, of course I need something on the front to just keep my, the lens from getting scratched. But he handed me one and he goes, well, it's $199. And I went for a UV projector well, and I went, thanks, but no thanks. And I came home to Amazon and I bought one for 40 yes. bucks. <laughs> so. Yes. Well, I don't use the, um, uh, the UV filter that, or that often. Cause quite honestly, the UV filter itself is supposed to take out if you're shooting like close to the sun and stuff like that in your photographs. I don't use it. I guess I should be using it, but I am. Um, I had a really bad uh, really? instance with it. Um, we were out in Montauk. Uh, not, we were mm-hmm. night, doing night shots, and we were up at uh, at Camp Hero, and we were shooting the lighthouse. I mean, it mm-hmm. was nice, a starry night. Lighthouse uh, lights were on. It was a great, great photographs I was taking. They looked fantastic. I forgot to take the UV filter off. So um, while I couldn't see what was going on really on the small screen in right. the, on the back of the camera, when I got everything into Lightroom and I had it on a, a 24-inch screen, all my photos were ruined because what ended up happening was I didn't take the UV filter off. So I was getting double really? images. I was getting I was getting reflections. So all the lights that were on on the lighthouse were mirrored up above the lighthouse. And I thought it was something like some <laughs> UFO invasion or something like that. And I couldn't I couldn't understand what was going on. And I actually posted the question on uh-huh. on the sun chases. And somebody came back, I don't remember who it was, and, they, and the first thing they said, he goes, "Did you have a, a UV filter on the camera?" And I actually think it was Mike uh-huh. Mike Bush. He said to me, did you have a, a UV filter on the camera? And I don't, I don't remember whether I did. I actually stopped what I was doing and I went over to the camera and damned if wow, the UV filter see, wasn't that's... on. 
and it it ruins so many photographs. So, so many good photographs. So. Or you just only, I mean, I don't, I don't use it unless it's like a really, really, really bright okay. day. Um, and I, I think I want to cut down on some of the UV and the spots okay. that I may be getting. Um, other than that, I bought a, um, I bought a filter kit. It okay. has a polarizer in it. So more than likely on, on a really sunny days when I'm near the water, I'll put the polarizer yeah, on. Thing. Like you said, you know, that lens at, you know, 95 millimeters, they're not cheap. <laughs> so, but I no, never, absolutely I, mean, not. I don't even look at the UV filter as something to use, if you know what I mean. I, it's on there for the sole yes. purpose of keeping the lens from getting scratched. Or if I drop the lens, that's what's breaking before my yes. lens breaks. So I mm -hmm. just, and it, okay. you know, I've never, I haven't done so many pictures out at Montauk at the lighthouse where I've had it on and no, you know, that I would even think to take it off. I mean, I've never had the situation that you had happen because I think the images that I took probably didn't even have the UV on it. I don't know, but it would just never have yeah. dawned on me that that would be the reason behind something like that. I've never ever done it again, only because wow. I know now. So um, on the few occasions that I do use the UV filter, Usually if I'm out gotcha. at, uh, on the beach or I'm out at like Shinnecock and I'm walking the breakers, okay. you know, to shoot the blue water and the white clouds and stuff like that. And I'm walking along right. the breakers, the boulders. Okay. I put the UV filter on only because like you said, <laughs> I drop it. And, uh, there's a more than a good chance. I'm going to, I'm going right. to screw up the lens and I'd rather have a, you know, a $45 UV filter break than my $600 exactly. camera. Exactly. Lens, so. That's the way I look at it. I mean, literally yes. it's funny because I, I had it out the other night. I have not used it yet. I bought mine solely because I do sports photography. So the, my whole thing was, is that my high school football team has like a little bit of an arch to it. And when the kids get on the other side of the field, I can't see nothing. So that's why I went for it was mm -hmm. for the, for the extra reach. And, um, so I haven't used it yet, but I pulled it out just to play around. I got some shots of some birds in the backyard and my husband turned around and goes, you bought the, you the, bought Gen, the Gen 2 one or the Gen 1? Um, and my husband said, okay, did good. you get insurance for that? And I went, you know, maybe I think I should look at to start getting some kind of insurance. I, um, I two years ago, um, after I heard some really sad stories about, you know, this photographer out in, in San Francisco who was shooting the, the bridge, um, Golden Gate Bridge. And he was approached by two people in the middle of the night while they were shooting and they ended up murdering him and stealing oh all his God. photography equipment. He was he was carrying like $20,000 worth of photography equipment. And and not that that's the reason right. why I got the insurance. You know, unfortunately, he, wow. he lost his life for it. But uh, I'm saying to myself, it's like, yeah, you yeah. need to get insurance. And I, end, I ended up doing that two years ago. Um, I insured all my stuff. It's, I mean, it's dirt cheap. It's, I think I spent $95 a year to, to, to insure, I think $8,000 cool. worth of equipment. Good, so yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't in, go uh, wrong. Information later. Uh, well, it's, it's, I got it with State Farm. So it's okay. just with my homeowner's insurance. But um, I know it's highly recommended. And I know uh, Samantha Kennedy recommends that, um, I think you can okay, join yes. APA um, and they will, I think with your membership, 
you get you insurance on your equipment. I am not a member of APA, but I know that she is. And I yeah, think they do. Um, when you join, yeah, you get yeah, your you insurance. You get some pretty good them, things so. with them too. It's something I've been on the fence thinking about doing because from what, I, from what I'm hearing, they, they have some great classes and stuff like that. And then they have judgment and certification. There's a couple of people I know that, that do it. You know, Scott Dre, he's in there and, um, you know, he's won some pretty good awards for yes. some stuff, but uh, yeah. Yes, I know. Um, there was a guy that we met when we were out um, when a bunch of us uh, went to Connor Wingo to shoot the Eagles. We mm -hmm. were out in uh, Maryland and we were shooting uh, Sunrise at, at a train trestle, an Amtrak trestle, and some guy comes over and he's shooting. And, and you know, you're photographers. <laughs> you see somebody else shooting. Exactly. You, you start a conversation. It's just, it snowballs into, you know, life events and, and all that stuff. And this guy was a very well-known um, mm -hmm. photographer in Maryland, and he highly recommended uh, APA to join. Uh, and he was actually like, um, not a director, but uh, he was actually like, uh, I don't know what the word is. It's like a, he was for the, um, for the Maryland district or something like that. Exactly. No, for, for oh, APA, wow. like he was like they're one of their guest gotcha. photographers and cool. and whatnot. So. He recommended it, so I haven't done it yet. Just something else to it's, join, yeah. It's a, it's a couple of bucks. It's a, it's a couple of bucks, and it's something else to join. And I just no, I, I know what you mean. I know that. what you mean with with you know Lightroom and Photoshop, and you know it's a little bit here, a little bit there until you look at it and you're like, wow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the best thing I, I could tell somebody who's and that get getting into Lightroom and Photoshop. Yeah. So oh, yeah, the, the membership is what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't, you can't. Yeah, yeah. Ten bucks a month. Right. There's no way. I mean, the last I heard, somebody was saying that it was like Photoshop was like six, seven hundred dollars. I'm like, get out of here. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, and and when exactly. you buy, it, you don't get exactly. updates. So what's the use of having a program that powerful if you're not going to exactly. get the latest and greatest exactly. out of it? So, and it's, <laughs> it's it hurts less. When you're paying, when you're paying eleven dollars a month, it does, really does. Again, you don't see it, you don't feel yeah. it. So, um, yeah, it just shows up in your credit card bill. Sometimes I don't even look at it. Um, yes, but okay. So now you've been doing a lot of night stuff lately. So, correct. I have progressed into okay. into night. What? Why? What? What is it about it that you got? Is it a challenge? Why? Um, it's um, Milky Way and Star Trails is, is mm -hmm. definitely a challenge. Um, I started out uh, with the night photography with the, mm -hmm. uh, the Milky Way. Um, I, when flipping, going through the, the Sun Chasers website, I saw photos mm -hmm. from Steve Mitchell. Um, Steve Mitchell is one of the best Milky Way photographers that I've ever seen. Um, uh, his, uh, yeah, he's good. People should look for his shots. Yeah, they really really are good. stunning. Um, I actually, I think it's one time I messaged him or I responded to one of his photographs and just started asking questions about shooting the Milky Way and settings and where to go and blah, blah, this and all that. And Steve is, is a fantastic guy. He uh, gave us a bunch of suggestions and, and, and he, I just started doing it. You just... It's one of those things that you go out and, you know, he offered to meet us a couple of times. Um, mm -hmm. 
out east and we did and we would go out <laughs> we were out at um at shinnecock in oh, the middle of february um yeah. it's eight degrees out and february is when you right. start to see the milky way it's low on the horizon and that's one of steve's favorite spots to shoot when the, the milky okay. way becomes visible and here we are it's it's steve mitchell it's me it's Samantha Kennedy and it's uh, Jan Shannon and we're at a Shinnecock in the middle of February. It's 10 degrees out. We've got multiple layers of clothing on, Uh, you know, our car is parked there. We leave the car running (laughs) with the heat on because every five or 10 minutes, you just got to, you got to run back to the car and warm up. And, uh, it's just it's uh, it's it's so enjoyable to do it. How did the how did the cameras handle the like cold? Said, the cameras don't have really don't have a problem. Um, the one thing that I would say about it is if you're out on a chilly night like that is is you got to acclimate right. the camera to to the cold. So don't take your cam. Don't drive in the car and get the inside of the car at 75 degrees. And then you pick your camera up and go outside in eight degree weather. You won't be shooting for about an hour because there, the camera that. has to acclimate. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, and it's the same thing with even now it's, you got the AC on in the car and it's 85 degrees out. The, the camera's in the car and you get out of the car and it's, it's 80 degrees out. Guess what? You're not shooting for an hour because you can't get the lens Right. I also know that there's a time of the night. Um, I remember the very first time I got with a group of people and it's, I think the first time that Kathleen uh, Desiderio and I became, you know, hung out together and we've been very good friends since then. And it was Trish Minogue and um, Kate LaCatz and I forget who else, but they said they were going out to Dune Road to shoot the Milky Way. And I went, all right, yeah, sure. I'll go, you know, what the heck, you know, let me tell you something the most fun I've ever had in my entire life was being on that beach at night it is. because it's pitched, like you said, uh-huh. it's pitch dark. And I'm the one, I'm the idiot standing there going, but I, I'm taking pictures. I don't see it. I don't see it. Trish had to come over and go point it out to me, go, Sue, there it is. And I was like, oh, is that what that is? You know, but yeah. it got to be like around 1 a.m. And they're like, all right, let's go. And I'm like, why? It's still up. And then I went, oh, everybody's lens just started fogging up. It was just, it was very, yep. very weird. It gets to be that point. There is a point during the night where the the, the moisture just sacks yeah. it in and, and you just can't do anything anymore. Yes, it, it definitely, it's, uh, I had that issue over the weekend at Montauk. Had- it, um, I went out to shoot star trails and it, it was, a, it, you know, eight o'clock or eight eight thirty, the, the sun goes down, and and you still mm-hmm. got the warmth of the day, and you're out on the beach trying to shoot, and everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the night cools off, and of course, because now it's cooler, and the lens on the camera is warm, right. everything yeah. fogs up. So you're sitting there, but it wasn't just that; it was it was one of those really humid nights. So I'd be I'm sitting at Camp Hero shooting Star Trails. And it's a cool night, and you know I set the uh, the camera to shoot intervals, and um, I'm shooting the intervals, and all of a sudden I get this like burst of warm, like it's like you humid- okay. the humidity's picking up, and right away I know what's going to happen. I walk over to the camera, right? You know, again it's shooting intervals. I'm, sh- I'm 
shooting in, in 90 minutes worth of shots. And I take my flashlight and I shine it at, at, at the lens. Oh, and the lens God. is fucked up. So, you know, I stop the interval of shooting and I, and I hang out a little bit. And all of a sudden it gets cool again. I go back over to the lens oh and the lens God. is not fogged up anymore. I set the, I sent the interval shooting to go again. So, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things that, that you have to deal with it. It's it, night shooting is, it's, it, it really is a, it's a labor of love. You got to want to get out there and do it. You want to get up now, to do it. Are you using um, the, the, the handheld intervalometer or because Kathleen said to me the other day, she goes, you know, I read someplace that a lot of these cameras, you can do it in camera. And I'm like, really? On the 7200, you can you can do it in camera. It's interval shooting. I'm shooting. I set my camera up to shoot 9,999 shots at one second intervals. Um, and I set my um, my shutter speed to 30 seconds, and because that's usually what I sh- what I shoot. And you just Is you that set it off doing, and you go. Are you doing star and trails I, with that, or are you doing? No, that's that's Star Trails. If I'm if I'm shooting Milky Way, I'm right. using the same setup. I'm using a a Rokinon mm-hmm. uh, fourteen yep, millimeter wide angle. It's, mm-hmm. fixed, it's a fixed lens. Um, it's great because it shoots uh, mm-hmm. two point eight, which is one of the things with with the with the Milky Way. You something you want something with a right. a very low f stop, mm-hmm. a very wide aperture. I have uh, an eight millimeter fisheye wide angle from Rokino that I shoot. It's a 3.5. Okay. That works fine also. But the 2.8 takes better photographs. If you got better than a 2.8, if you got a 1.4, right. even better. But yeah, my 2.8 works fine. So I always shoot with the Rokino um, and I get great photos. I, I, in my yeah, opinion, I, I get fantastic photos. Great. It's really great. So, so it's it's the Rokinon lens, it's the D seventy two hundred. I use depending on and and everything else is is really adjustment. You gotta you take a couple of test shots. You you find out what settings are working best for you. You know you get your ISO where you want it. You 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 figure out how long you want to shoot. In the beginning, usually in February, where it's uh, it's it's cold out, it's a nice clear night. You, you're not going to get any humidity. Um, mm-hmm. to mess things up. Um, you're going to be shooting probably 10 second exposures, you know, 15 second exposures. I've been shooting sometimes when we were shooting in, in, in February, I was shooting a six second exposure wow. and I was getting great shots. It's different. It's different now Yeah, with the humidity and stuff at night. Um, when I was shooting the Milky Way uh, uh, over the weekend, I was shooting okay. 30 second exposures. Only because right. that was what was working. Six second, ten second exposures you know, weren't doing it. You're out. You're out of Camp Hero so, a lot. I know. You know. I. I love Camp Hero. Shooting at the, I was the radar ask tower you about is that. just. How comfortable do you feel being out there, though? Amazing. I've gotten used to it. Um, I went out a few weeks ago um, with Fred mm-hmm. Greco and Paula Greco. Um, only because that's when I was starting to do star trails and like Steve Mitchell is probably one of the best, uh, Milky Way photographers that I've ever seen. Fred Greco is one of the best star trail photographers I've ever seen. 
Uh, yes, absolutely. Fred Greco is his brain is what I picked to start hmm. on the Star Trails. Uh, I got in contact with him. Uh, I asked him, you know, if he would give me some pointers with the Star Trails. Um, he invited me to take a ride out with him, Paula, to to Montauk, and I asked him. You know, at the time, have you ever shot a camp hero? Um, and he actually said, no. I said, well, then we're not going to Montauk. <laughs> we're going to Camp Hero. If, if you've never shot the radar tower, then you're really missing out on, on night photography. Uh, whether it's the Milky Way or whether it's Star Trails, it, to shoot yeah, the, the radar tower. I never got into the radar tower. Blow. I've gotten as far as the hoodoos right there on the parking lot. You know, I never, I just, I don't know why it just kind of creeps me out a little bit to go back over there, even though your stuff is beautiful. The, I'm going to have to meet up with you one time out there because I just, it's, it's, it's yes, one of those absolutely. things. It's like, I don't know. I mean, and you know, the kids, you know, we go out there, we camp out in Hilton Head and I get, you know, Hilton, yes. at Heather Hills and I get, Hey mom, guess where I am? And I get the picture. I'm like, kid, off the radar tower please you know but um yes yeah mm -hmm. i just something about it just kind of creeps me out a little bit <laughs> and i understand that totally the radar tower is creepy as <laughs> hell there is not a time it's first of all <clears throat> excuse me for milky way shooting and star trail shooting it is the perfect spot there is no light pollution okay. at the radar tower. There is a little strobe light on one of the buildings that is continually, okay. continuously flashing. I have no idea where it is. I okay. don't go inside the gate. Um, but outside on the mm -hmm. road that goes up to the gate, you can, every once in a while, you see the little light flashing. And when you're shooting 30-second exposures, that has a tendency to show up as does yeah, lights boat, right. from the boat, stuff like that. So you get some of that too. But other than that, no light pollution whatsoever. And that is the best thing for Milky Way shooting and star trails. The least amount of light but, pollution. Yeah, they, you, yeah, you know, they have. say that that back in that area is haunted. And what was it? That movie they made, Stranger Things, or the show is based off that area. Yeah, that supposedly was. Yeah, it was supposed to be the Thing. the guiding the guiding light right. for, and I for remember Stranger Things. Reading an article which I thought was really really creepy. Um, I don't remember exactly what the time frame was. If it was the fifties, the sixties, or whatever the time frame was, but the people that lived in and around there. They said that, you know, once the military got up and left everything or whoever was in there, quote unquote, whoever was in there, um, the, 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 the radar tower was always in a certain position, always never moved. And somebody called and said, listen, something's going on. We don't know what's going on because it like turned in a, th in a completely, completely different direction in the middle of the night. And uh -huh. they had, you know, it's, figured it's got to be kids. It's got to be something, you know, and it was like that for, I want to say maybe a week, if not a little bit longer, the cops were out there every uh -huh. night. Finally, they said it had to be kids, whatever, you know, leave it. And the day, the night that they didn't go back, the thing moved back. So it's like, yeah. yeah. It's always been in the same spot when I've been out there. So it, quite honestly, if I'm standing there and the thing moves, I'm getting out. So. Yeah, I, I, I probably I'm leaving. Like leave everything and just run. <laughs> but there is, I mean, there, it is scary. 
Um, I wouldn't recommend right. going there by yourself. Not to sound chauvinistic, but if you're a woman by yourself, I mean, I, 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 I have yourself. a tendency to not be afraid of too much. You know, I'm I'm always you know walking around someplace by myself. I'm I'm at you know Robert Moses Field too by myself. I mm-hmm. you know, and some of the women are like, "Aren't you afraid?" I'm like, "Hey, I got a tripod." They come near me, I hit them with the tripod. Um, but you know, when I was yeah. out there two weeks ago, I think it was or three weeks ago with Kathleen, and I said, "That's the road," and she goes, "Well, should I go there?" Then I'm like, "Absolutely not." <laughs> you do not go that way. I will not be over there by, at, in the dark by myself. I think if I was with like her or maybe a couple of people and I got there before it got dark so I could get acclimated, mm-hmm. you know, then um, I would be okay. But, I, you know, just even the thought of, you know, having a deer come up behind me would freak me out. I would be gone. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the deer, the deer won't bother you when once you drive in they end up leaving there was a couple of deer there that was sleeping when i drove up and they picked up and they left what's scary is is they go into the woods mm-hmm. and you'll hear them walking around that's scary um the last couple of times that i was at camp hero um i kid you not i'm sitting there it's it's midnight one o'clock in the morning and i could swear to high heaven that somebody is opening and closing a door in the radar tower to me really? that's just what it sounds like and it only happens once. Sounds like somebody opens a door and somebody closes the door. And that's it. I don't hear the sound ever again wow. when I'm there. And now that, you've heard that it freaks on me multiple out. Multiple occasions when you've gone there? Yes. Usually every time that I go there, when I'm sitting there in the dark, I hear the sound of what sounds like somebody opening a door and closing a door. And it's Why coming from the radar tower. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming from There's one no of the buildings. There's no way I would go back after the first time. You're. Yeah, it's freaky. It's just it really is. But I got to you know, I got to tell you, there's nothing like going to Camp Radar, Hero. Uh, the Camp Hero Radar Tower, and driving in, and driving mm-hmm. into the back. You know, taking the road all the way back to where the gun emplacements right. are and where the radar tower is, and driving up with your headlights on, and then stopping turning the engine off and shutting your headlights off and getting out of the car. When the Milky Way is up, it's like you could reach up and grab the stars in your hands. That was it. It It was the end of the season of the Milky Way being up like late August, September, in and around there last year that I just happened to ride out there and I took Mm -hmm. my son Chris with me. And uh, it was just, you know, he wanted to go to Montauk. Uh, We just went for the ride and we were out there at night and it was the same thing. I opened up the door and he got up before me and he looked up and he went, mom. And I looked up and I was like, floored. I'm like, you don't, it's, it's right there. You could reach out and touch it and you you can't explain it to anybody. You really can't. And it's one of those things you have to see. Right. And I took Kathleen out, like I said, two weeks ago and she got up into the car and she looked up and she goes, Oh my God. Oh my God. That's all that you, that's all you can say is, Oh my God, look at this. Oh my God, look at this. And it's so wild because when you don't see that, when you don't have that experience, but you go to like Jones Beach because it's convenient and you're standing there going, where's the Milky Way? And you don't realize that you're getting the shot until you see it in the camera where when you're out there, it is just, it's a- Milky Way is there. You just can't see it because of all the light pollution. You need to go out. You know, if that's, if anything, of all the locations, if you can't get anywhere off of Long Island, because there are, you yes. know, Long Island and the dark places outside of the state are, are where to go. But if you can't, 
Camp Hero is really where you got to go just once. So you know what you're seeing. Yeah, it really, really is. Yes. Um, So how many, how long are you usually out there when you go out there? So um, the Milky Way is, is now visible from at least, excuse me, the core is now visible from 1030 at night till about 330 in the morning. Right. And the Milky Way is visibly before that and after that. It's just that you're not, you, you really, if you're going to shoot the Milky Way, you want to get the core. Right. Um, and after 3.30, it starts to fade. And before 10.30, you really can't make it out. So right. between 10.30 and 3.30, um, it's when the, store become, the core becomes visible. And that's really when you want to shoot. So I usually try to get out there. Um, just after sunset. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'll I'll take a nap and I'll, I'll set my phone alarm off and I'll get up at six ish or seven ish and get myself ready and and I'll head out. Okay. And you know, it's an hour and fifteen hour and a half ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get out there and the sun is already set and it's really not dark enough. Right. Still that twilight. But, yeah. yeah, but I'll just I'll I'll take shots of the the lighthouse and That's and whatnot, right. and then I'll I'll just kind of hang out. Um, and when ten thirty comes around, it's like clockwork. You know, the Milky Way becomes visible, and the core is visible, and that's when I go over to Camp Hero and I'll shoot there, and I'll shoot for as long as I can shoot until I get tired of it. Now, when because what I found interesting is that you're also doing star trails out there now. Correct. I usually, I've done maybe two, three times with star trails, but I purposely have gone to the North shore of the island. I make sure that I know where Polaris is. I get over to the North shore and I'm, I've been mostly at um, Sunken Meadow and shot it that way because that's the whole point is to get the, you know, the circular motion, you look for the, you know, the, the, the Polaris and you make sure you get that in your center and work from that. How are you doing that from there? I mean, are you literally just basically at the tower and turning around? No, I'm not shooting north at the tower. I'm shooting south. Right. So, but don't you get a different um, trajectory or whatever? Don't, it is? you don't get circles. Right. You get opposing lines. Okay. Like you get the, instead of you get the, instead of getting the tight circles around Polaris mm-hmm. and it, it graduating out from there to bigger circles with the stars, right. you're getting opposing uh, sweeping lines. Okay. Yeah. So there's like a, a point in, in your, your photograph in the, in the middle of the photograph from upper right-hand corner to lower left-hand corner where the star trails will be sweeping from lower left to upper right and then getting smaller as you go to the upper left-hand corner. And then on the opposite side, um, you're, sh- you're going to get these sweeping star trails that will go from lower left to upper right, but they sweep down to the lower right-hand side. Okay. So you get the, like this confluence in the middle of the photograph of the star trails bending. Like a wave almost. Up, yes. Uh, up and, and, and down is okay. essentially what you And you're still going to get star trails. There's still stars there. Yes. Yeah. They're still moving 
you're just not going to get the tight circles. Right. And that to me, it doesn't make a difference. I, I like it either way. Okay. And that's why I, it, you know, it's when you want, you like that kind of stuff. Like you said, the Milky Way is seasonal. It's a long season, but it's seasonal. But, yes. you know, once that season's over, you know, turn around, you know, face north and you can do Star Trek. Oh, I've shot North Shore. I, there's a spot that I go out North Shore of Sound Avenue, uh, the Macari Red Barn at, at Macari Vineyards. It's a, um, it's a red barn that, that they use for catering. Okay. Um, Don't know. I it. shot, I shot Star Trails. Um, at there, I sat outside the fence. I set my camera up to shoot the star trails. Star trails are circles, and it's behind the barn. Right. I I will not go someplace and shoot star trails unless there's something else in the shot. I will not sit on a beach and okay. just shoot star trails for the sake of star trails. Yeah, see that. That's I want one, something in my photograph. Right, and that's the one that I've always wanted. And and we tried it once, and we tried it on the South Shore, and I got. And that's when I realized the wave, and it wasn't working. Um, but my thing well, is no, but I it was, is working. You're you're just not getting the shot that you want with the right. Shot. I wasn't getting the shot that I wanted. I want to get on the North Shore and just have that shot of the beach with the white chair you know the lifeguard chair with the star trails that's the one that i want and i have yes. yet to get out there and do it that's that's going to be my my one night thing this summer and try and see if i can do that um well it's but, not gonna matter you can shoot i shot the um the binoculars the viewer okay that they have on 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 the on walkway the, okay that's what i wanted to shoot that's what was in my shot that's what i got i got the circles i got i got the the court of uh 25 cent viewer okay in there because that's what i wanted to shoot right there's a bridge out there that you can shoot. Yes, we've done Star that. trails to get the circles. There's the uh, now that summer has started, you can get the lifeguard chairs. Right. So yeah. I mean, Caffeine I shot the lifeguard trails, trails, uh, star trails at RM2, and I got the rescue boat, and I got yes. the the lifeguard chair. Saw that was that's that's what I wanted to shoot. Right. The only negative thing about that is is the light on the, the light ground. pollution that you were getting from. The concession stand. That was the only drawback to that. It was giving off a lot of light and um, the shot came out fine. I was very happy with it, but it would have been a better shot if it wasn't for the light. Yeah. So. I'm the one usually standing there going, somebody turn off that light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's um, And it's surprising how much, how much light is given off by the concession stand. It really, it yeah. really bleached out the shot a lot yeah. but it actually gave it a nice a nice aura it gave it a nice um nighttime thing yeah it yeah. It, it i had i was backlit and i was shooting into the dark and it, it i really liked the way it came out i mean i shot the milky way with both of those and i stopped shot the star trails and i was extremely happy with how it came out you know there was uh one i think i don't know if you remember last i think it was last year um there's a group which I love these guys. They're, they're, my dream is to, to go out with them. They're called National Parks at Night. And they photograph yes. in all the national parks. They uh -huh. came here with another photography group that I believe they're someplace out of Selden and they did a whole class. And class was expensive. Of course, I couldn't you know afford to do the class at the time. Um, but they went and they shot, which surprised me because there was like really like... I want to even say like either not even season for Milky Way here, or it was just at the very, very tail end. And part of the class that they had, they went down and they took it out and they shot and they were at the lighthouse 
And um, that got Kathleen and I going, hmm. And we went out. I know Fred had done it. Um, we got some tips from him beforehand. Fred Greco. At Montauk or, or Fire no, the, the Robert Moses Lighthouse. On Fire Island, okay. Right, Fire Island Lighthouse. He went out and he got some great, great shots. And uh, so we were like, you know, we're going, we're going to take his tips. We're going to go. We got some good shots. You know, we got some uh -huh. pretty good shots for the, you know, the first time. I remember um, uh, going back to the whole thing with the deer. The deer, you know, came up behind us in the middle of the night. You want to hear two girls screaming from miles <laughs> away. That was the two of us. Um, <laughs> but um, I definitely want to go back. That's one yes. place I want to go and go back and stand there. And just because I know a little bit more and and, and I'm going to try different things where I think, part of me was like, you know, really nervous about being out there. I'm like, Kathy, uh -huh. maybe we should get going. You know, it's, it, it's getting, no, 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 one more. And it'll be like, okay, one more, you know, and, and it wound up being that kind of a night. And I think we were there from like 10 until like two. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's my thing. It's, I, I definitely want to try that one more time, but until, you know, we're dealing with the, the pandemic and the COVID-19 that boardwalk is still closed off. And it I is. heard Burma Road is shut down and they're well, telling Burma you Road is beach. open again. It is. Oh, okay. But the thing is now what you got to watch out for is now that the parks department put out the night photography permit. Yep. Um, they're really starting to crack down on people getting into the lots and actually now um, going to fields two and three and going into four and five, they actually have it barricaded off and there's a, a parks department employee that sits there and they check really? your permit. Really? Yes. You, you are not allowed to get into five unless you live on Kismet. Right. Yeah. We used to go to five and take our chances, essentially what it was. And yep. usually half the times the, the parks police were really good about it. They didn't have a problem. That's when we would go and shoot the lighthouse. Uh, I've shot the lighthouse with the Milky Way, you know, Bayside, mm -hmm. parked at Field 5, never had an issue. Yeah, yeah, we um, all did. Now, now it's definitely going to be an issue. Um, first of all, now because you're not going to get into Field 5, the employee that sits there will not let you in. Wow. Um, and to get into 2, which I've done, you have to stop at the barricade. The guy gets out, he checks your license plate. He checks your permit that the license plate number that that's on your car matches the, the permit. And then he lets you in. Were you yeah. by yourself when you did that? I was by myself when I did mm. that. Yes. Cause so they question if you're there with two other people or something like that in the car, are they looking at them going, you know, wait a minute. Well, the thing is you're supposed to have a permit for every person that's in the car. Yeah. That's yeah. actually, that's on the permit. Yeah. yeah so and I think it's everybody above. 12 years old or something like that. It, yeah. It's supposed to have a permit. That's um, just, and we know that the, the permit is new. You know, this is the, the night photography that, permit is, is yeah. new. Yes. So it's, you know, we brought it up on the conversation up on the um, chasing the night page that uh, it's not something we want to mess around with either because it's a test. You know, it is a test. This year is, is a test, not only for sales, but to see how, how people will abuse it and, and how they can correct the abuse. Um, the, what I found out from the woman um, 
who was in charge of, of the permits because mm-hmm. I actually sat down with her and her assistant. Yeah, I know you were the one who got for, them for us. For an hour or so. They, what they found out was is that with the Stargazer permit, um, it seems that the teenagers found out about the Stargazer permit. Oh. And they had a, the year before the knife photography came out, they had a spike in purchasing of the Stargazer and what ended up happening was, is all the lovely young adults and teenagers found out mm-hmm. that you could get a stargazer permit. So what they would do is they would go out and they would buy the stargazer permit. And they would then drive to the beach under the, the guise of stargazing right? and party on the beach. But, you know, that, that's also part of the, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, this is part of the parks department's fault too. Because you know what, if they were enforcing the rules for the stargazer, which we all know, you're not allowed to walk away from your vehicle. You're not, you know, if they were there on top of it, they probably would have crushed that issue pretty fast. So, well, they ended up, they did crush it. And And the reason was, is because the parks police were, they were doing their job. They were going through the parking lot. And they would find these cars mm-hmm. and they would see the permit in the window and there would be nobody by the car. Right. You're supposed to be by a car. So what would they do? They would drive onto the beach and they go on the beach and they drive the beach. And here's a bunch of kids with a fire pit. They got a fire going yep. and they're drinking and they're smoking and they're doing everything. And I guess to a certain degree, there was complaints yeah. by the parks police that they had kids would wave it, were waving these stargazer permits in front of them. Mm-hmm. and saying we're allowed to be here and the cops saying well no you're not and causing a lot of issues and right. it was it was pissing off the parks police because you know they were going out of their way to have to deal with this stuff and i guess that's what one of the reasons that the the knife photography uh permit was generated um it was something that you know people i know that you had emailed them and and Fred Greco had emailed them, and uh, right. I even emailed them about the knife photography. And quite honestly, was surprised when I actually got a response from them. Right. You know, and they asked me to come in and sit down with them. So, um, and that's how the knife photography was generated. And quite honestly, between you and me, the knife photography is a better permit. It is. And yeah, it's it's better only because if you're a photographer, you get to leave your car. Right. And that was my big beef is that was because if you wanted to take your gear and walk down to the beach, well, the only other way you could do that at night is that then now you had to get the the night fishing permit. You had to buy a fishing permit. And you had to come down to the beach with your camera gear and with a fishing pole. Yes. I'm like, you know, the and that was my thing. The majority of us, there's a large group of us. We're all photographers. We're not doing anything. We're not putting a carbon footprint on anything it's the kids that are ruining it. We're just standing there taking the shots. And what yes. killed me on top of that was that, you know, the shot would go out and then you'd get a phone call from the, 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 the Long Island tourism board going, Hey, you know, do you think we could, you know, get that shot? And I'm like, Hey, you know, we got that illegally, right? Yeah. 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 But you know, it's really a great shot and we would love to put it in our magazine, but I got it illegally, you know? So mm-hmm. it, that's what drove me crazy. Yes. That's what drove me crazy. But like I said, it's, it's, a brand new, it's, it was, they only gave out how many? I don't know how many they gave out. Um, they only sold it at Belmont. Mm-hmm. 
the, the, the parks office and I found out the hard way when I went down to Robert Moses to purchase it. Yeah. And they looked at me and they shook their head no. Um, luckily, I was off that day and I was I was at Robert Moses. So I just went down to Belmont right. um, and purchased it. It's 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 under test. That's the reason that they only sold it at the parks office in Belmont. Um, Have you I'm hoping next Have year. Okay. It's it's available at all the all the little satellite offices. Have you talked to anybody at all since it's been out in the in the offices and hear what they're? I their have not. Um, the woman that I was dealing with, uh, Anne Marie, mm-hmm. uh, when I met her, she was about a month away from retirement. Ah. Uh, she is now since retired. Yeah. Um, so I was I got one or two emails from her. Um, when it was coming out, um, they actually gave me like a, a precursor mm-hmm. permit when I was sat down with them at the meeting. And then it was nothing more than a couple of emails, but I guess she retired her and, and her assistant took over right. and I never heard anything from the assistant. Yeah. And then the only way I even found out that the Nike photography permit was available, not available at Belmont is I got an email or text from, Fred Greco saying that he was heading down to pick up his knife photography permit. So I rushed down to Robert Moses and the rest is history. I had to go to Belmont. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious to see, I mean, if, if there's been any issues, negative issues arisen from it, because like you said, you know, this is a great permit. We want to keep it. We want to do whatever we can to make sure it stays. I mean, I guess we could find out. There's probably a way to find out how many they sold. Right. Um, I can't gauge it by my permit. I got number two, <laughs> really? number two permit. Yeah, but th- that's nothing special because it wasn't being sold in order. Really? It was being sold by. They just they took them all. They split them in half, and they sold. They were being sold at each window. So I got two at the right window. Somebody got got fifty seven. You know, at the left window. So I'm looking at mine. I got one forty five. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think sequentially it meant anything. It's just. Right who you know it's what the pile had <laughs> it's what pile they split and, and they put it what window but yeah that's you know it's, try to explain that to people online is that this is something that we covet because yes. we don't want to see it disappear it, it would be nice over time and then it probably going to be years over time that they might consider expanding different locations like being letting us go over to field fives as opposed to field two that we will never point. never ever 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 be able to get into field five. Why? The way it was explained to me by Anne Marie that day I had that meeting with them is the parks department sells permits for parking at Kismet and all those shoreline towns. Right. The permits are $400 a year. You're only allowed to have one car at Kismet and all of those shoreline beach communities. So what they do is, is if you have two cars, you have to buy a $400 permit. And the $400 permit allows you to park at field five. Okay. That's overflow parking. Right. Those shore communities. Right. We see that. That's why the bikes are there. That's why the bikes. No, that's not why the bikes are there. Well, the bikes, the bikes are for the workers. Okay. Well, I know some people that, that have places over there. They'll yes. Park but what ends up happening going. was, is if you and I have some kismet, you, and you have two cars, you will park one car right. at, at field five and the other car will come out and pick you up 
and drop you off accordingly. And that's essentially kismet parking is field five. So we will never, no permit will ever allow you to get into field five ever. That's so that's the way it to, I was told. That's the reason. It's because why would anybody pay $400 for a parking permit when they can pay $45 for a night photography permit and go to field five? Gotcha. Uh, it's it's nothing more than a moneymaker. Yep. Yep. Well, that's even the whole point, you know, the whole thing with the permit. No, stuff, absolutely but. for the permits. But quite honestly, I don't have a problem paying the $45. No, if not at all. If it allows me to, to go down legally now at Montauk mm-hmm. and legally now at Robert Moses and right. at, the, you know, Sunken Meadow and whatnot, then for me, $45 is not a big deal. I have no problem paying that. Yeah, neither do I. Neither do I. Um, and I think it's going to open up again after Labor Day, I believe, right? After Labor Day, they sell them again, and they're good to the end of the year. Right. So okay. anybody listening to this podcast, let it be known that when you, you want a knife photography permit, you have to buy it from January to the end of March. Mm-hmm. And then you cannot get it again until after Labor Day. And then it's only good until December. Right. And it's only good per year. So. It's for a calendar year. Used to be the permits, the stargazer when I had them, used to be good until the following March. Right. Not anymore. It's a, it's a calendar year. December thirty right. first, the permits are no longer good. Right. So we'll all, we'll all be at Belmont on January first. Yes. <laughs> if they, if they don't if they don't sell it. Yeah. Let's hope it's like I said. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's keep yes. our fingers crossed. All right, Fred. Well, you know, thank you very much. This is great no talking with you. It was a lot of fun. You also learned a lot. Yes. And uh, definitely, definitely will hit you up about the next time I want to go out. I want to go out to Camp Hero because, like I said, I will not go to that tower by myself. Okay. <laughs> so well, I, usually what's ended up happening is after I posted some photos, I've had people, you know, message me and, and respond in the photos that they want to go out and try it to let them know when I'm going out there. So usually what I'll end up doing is I'll, I'll just post it on the sun chasers saying, yeah. you know, there's a good chance I'm going to be at it at Montauk and camp here to shoot star shows and Milky way. If anybody wants to meet out there, that's, that's where I'll be. So that, that's what I've been doing. Tell me quick, what, what are you using for clear skies? Are you using, what app are you using? I have um, TPE. Okay which I use. I use mostly for uh, sunrise, sunset, the times and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But um, you mentioned that that other group that came out to shoot here. Um, National Parks at Night. National Parks at Night. They actually had a seminar over at Suffolk Community College last year that I went to actually with one of the guest speakers on night photography um, was a member of National Parks at Night. Um, and the, he gave a seminar at Suffolk Community College over in Brentwood um, that I went to with uh, Joe Pellicone and Samantha Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And it was a it was a fantastic seminar. He went over things about, you know, photographers doing night photography back in the 1800s and wow. the shots that he's shown. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. He showed. Yeah, we're, we're out of out of this world with with cameras that, you know, you had it pull the cap off the lens for, and count to 10 and put the, uh, the lens cap back on the, the mm-hmm. photographs were just out of this world. Yeah. But part of that, that whole deal was, is they had um, raffles and okay. one of the raffles was um, photo pills. 
Uh-huh. And I actually won a copy of Photo Pills. Photo Pills, I think, is 10 bucks, 11 bucks yeah. if you buy it through the app. And TPE is like four or five, six dollars. Um, so I won Photo Pills. So I use Photo Pills for the Milky Way because it'll show you where the core is showing up during the 10.30 to 3.30 time. Um, it, you can rotate it to see how the Milky Way is rotating. So you figured times. you figured out how to use it. Yes. For, oh. for, for the Milky Way, absolutely. That is my um, nemesis is that thing is trying to figure out how to use it. Yes. The little guide at the bottom, you can slide, and it'll show you the – it, it kind of has a section that is colored blue. And as you move into that section, a bunch of dots come up on the screen, depending on what location. Like if, if you set the location to the Montauk Lighthouse, mm -hmm. you move that slider at the bottom showing the times mm -hmm. and it goes into that blue area. And all of a sudden the little dots show up on the screen, mm -hmm. which is representation of the Milky Way. Right. And the bigger dots at the bottom is the core and the smaller dots at the bottom are the rest of the Milky Way. And as you slide the thing at the bottom, it moves the, those dots around to show you where the Milky Way and, and how it's progressing in the sky. You got to give a class. <laughs> oh no, I don't, I don't know it that well to, 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 to give a class. I mean, I can show you how to use it when we're out there, if we okay. go out, but it's, I don't know enough about it. It's much more powerful than I use it for. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, that thing, I mean, I I watched a video where it literally, I don't even know where the location was. It was a guy who who pointed the, the app at his phone at, with the app at a location. Mm -hmm. And he was actually, it, it was an arch over the water. He actually knew exactly what day the sun would be setting right through the center of that arch. And he counted mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, that's what I need to learn how to do. Couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure photo, it out photo photo me. Yeah, it's a very amazing app. It's a very strong app. TPE but, is a good one also. Right. Like I said, I use it for, for sunrise and sunset times. Um, it shows directional. It shows you moonrise and moonset. Mm -hmm. Shows you full moon when the full moon's going to come. It shows you, yeah, um, you know the percentages of the moon. And you could put in your location. Crescent. Yeah, waxing oh, crescent. Oh yeah, I have a bunch of. Um, Locations saved off. I probably have 50 or 60 locations. Oh, God. Any place that I shoot, I save the location off. And it, and it shows you, like, again, the uh, where sunrise is. and Like now, sunrise and sunset is North Shore, Long Island. Right. If you go into TPE, that's that's the dark red line is, is to the left, sun, sunset. Yep. The, the, the light yellow line is to the right, sunrise. Everything is North Shore. Yep, yep, yep. You got to be on yep. the show. So both, both great apps. Do you need both of them? If I had my recommendation, I would say spend the money on photo pills, but also I have TP and it, and it works great for me okay. for five bucks. It's worth it. Um, going back to the guys from national parks at night. And this is what, this is my dream. And I've met him. I've met Gabe a couple of times. Gabe, G Gabriel Buchanan. No Birdman. He's one of the guys on the group. And um, he's actually been um, at like uh, Photo Plus and stuff like that. I've seen him at a, you know, mm -hmm. he's got this great hat, Notorious. And I look over and I'm like, hey, Gabe. And he's like, I remember you from last year. And I'm like, how you doing? 
Gabe wrote a blog post, and this is what got me, and this is my dream. He wrote a blog post about one of the times, I don't know if it was his first time, but one of his times of doing night photography at the Grand Canyon. Yeah. And his description of standing on the South Rim at night, nobody around, you know, the quiet, the peacefulness, and it being right there and being to reach that is my dream. That has been my dream since I read that article three years ago. Um, it, you know, and I keep telling every time I see him, I'm like, one of these days, and he's like, hey, you know where to get us. That's my dream. Yep. That is definitely a dream. Yeah, this unfortunately though, their 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 trips sell out real quick. Oh yeah. And they're fairly expensive. And yep. yep. Like like you, if you have the money. I would make, recommend doing doing one of them because some of the chips are just really out of this world. Oh God, yeah, God, yeah. And um, many years ago, mm-hmm. um, I was into mountain biking. Okay. And I went uh, mountain biking in the Grand Canyon. No. And yes, and the mountain. It was a one week trip, mm-hmm. and it was four days of mountain biking and three days of whitewater rafting down the Colorado River. Wow. Through the Grand Canyon. And we camped out on the shoreline oh. of, of the Grand Canyon on, on, on the Colorado River. And you are 100 miles from any town, yep. any light source. Yep. The only light that you have is a flashlight that you're carrying or the guides are carrying. Yep. We slept in sleeping bags on the shoreline. And we were up like all hours of the night. You know, it's, it's a one big party. You're drinking, you're, you're, you're chatting, you're... <laughs> It's music it's an experience. It's yes, but there's a bonfire. So when the bonfire is lit, you don't see crap. Oh. When they pour water on the bonfire and it goes pitch black, where you can hold your hand in front of an inch in front of your face and you can't see a hand. Wow. That's when you see the Milky Way. That's when you could reach out and grab the stars. And that is, I kid you not, 100 times better than Camp Hero. Oh yeah, I you mean, go I, to you go to Camp Hero and you think it's spectacular. Try sleeping out on on the shoreline on the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon, God where there's mighty. nothing around, no. and you'd be absolutely amazed. It was outstanding. It was fantastic. Got out there uh, two years ago uh, during the summer with uh, my my sister lives out in Las Vegas. And uh, Chris and I took basically a month and we went out there and we told around and I said, listen, I don't know when, if I'm ever going to get him out here, I'm taking him. This is what we're going to do. And we went to the Grand Canyon and, you know, I have the, the great shot of him seeing it for the first time. And it's, I, we didn't get to stay for night and it, it breaks my heart that we didn't, but uh, it's, like I said, it's definitely a dream. We did yeah. go out at places and, you know, outside of the city, my sister lived, you know, outside of downtown Las Vegas. I, literally, I swear to you, right on the edge, she lives in, Hen- um, not, she lives in Henderson now. She lived in Summerlin at the time. And literally from her front door to, it was Red Rock Canyons was eight minutes. And we would be back in there at night and 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 trying to shoot and and, and getting uh, some nice stuff out at night. Uh-huh. And the the best story I have is that you know Christopher was you know little naive kid you know still he was only what fifteen years old, and he's being a wise ass you know typical kid and he's got his phone out and he's tr- got coyote noises you know he's trying to call the coyotes. Uh-huh. 
And um, I just, I'm sitting by the back of the car out in the front and I'm taking pictures, of, you know, the night sky and whatnot. And he turns around after a little while and he goes, you know what, mom, I think I'm going to go over there. And it was across the street. It was a big cactus. He said, I'm going to try and get the cactus. We're in, you know, we're doing some night shots. And I said, okay, fine. I said, I'm right here. Don't worry about it. And he walked across the street and he got like four steps into the, into the sand and he turned around and he goes, what am I insane? Uh-huh. I was just calling coyotes. I'm crazy. Yes. And he went, got back in the car. Yes. <laughs> we were done. That was it. He was the done for the night. <laughs> yes. So, I've never, uh, I've never ever seen the Grand Canyon from above. I've really? Only, yes. I've only seen, seen it from being on the river. Yep. I've never gotten down that far. Yeah. Never. It's a dream. We got close one year. My father was like, I'll do the helicopter. You go with the kids. And I'm like, not for that price. You're not. I mean, it was just, it was an astronomical price. I said, you know, if you yes. want to pay for something, I said, give me 20 bucks for parking and I'll take the kids to Zion. And we went over to Zion for an afternoon. Big yes. mistake to go to Zion in the summertime. It was 115 by yeah, 9 Yeah, it was, it was cooking when I went, especially yeah. with the mountain biking and stuff. Yeah. But it's definitely, uh, I would highly recommend that to anybody that's never been whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon, well worth it. Okay. Absolutely well worth it. All right. Well, you know, something I'll have to think about. I'm not yes. know if I'm not that daring, but uh, all right. So okay. again, thanks, Fred. It You're was very welcome. Talking with you. All right, and yes. uh, we'll t- catch you some other time. Okay. Take it easy. Take care. Bye.